You're listening to Illini Life Audio, messages from a community of Christian believers on the campus of University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. For more audio and video content, visit IlliniLife.org. Good morning. I don't, I don't know if you caught that. Alan alluded to one of Jesus' lesser-known miracles, lemonade turning into hot chocolate. <laughs> It's in the Gospel of Alan. You can read that right now. Uh, I'm Nick. I'm the pastor here in Alina Life. I'm totally joking. Uh, it's not an actual miracle. Uh, yeah, I'm the pastor here. You've met Alan. He's on staff. David was leading us in worship. He's one of our interns this year. We are excited to be back together. I am excited to be back in this room with you all. We've had a great time this summer, but we've missed many of you that were gone, and, and I'm excited to see many new faces here this morning. Welcome. Today... We begin the school year, and it's a privilege to study the Word of God together with you each Sunday. I love doing this. I love this part of our week. And this is the time in our service where we do that, where we get to do a Bible study together. So that's what we're in for. Today, you you may notice if you've been around or or maybe if this is your first time, this this service is a little bit more stripped down. It's going to be a little shorter, a little bit more streamlined. As Alan alluded to, we have Quad Day coming. We want to make sure that those of you that want to go to Quad Day can get there on time as it gets started. So we want to make sure we get you out of here get you over to the quad. If you haven't experienced quad day, it's a very exciting day. It's a very exciting time here on campus. For decades, this has been a key time on campus. You know, club sports, they recruit new talent today, right? Social groups are, are, are out for meeting new friends and, and attracting new members. And religious groups are here to share their message and invite new friends into their communities. That's what we're doing out on quad day. As I've been on campus these last, this last week, as movement's been happening, as preparation's been happening for classes and for quad day, you can feel the excitement. I don't know if you felt that. I do. Uh, maybe it's just welling up in my soul, but there's an energy on campus that, uh, as it comes back to life from the quiet of the summer, this place is kind of strange when you all are gone, so we're glad you're back. Uh, it's good to see campus filled again. Now, as I often do at this time of year, I reflect back to what it was like to be a freshman for the first time here. For me, that was a very long time ago, over 20 years ago. And I know you're, you're seeing that right there, and you're thinking, man, that is a good-looking, cool dude. <laughs> and you are right. Now, I mean, as, as a freshman, uh, I, I made my walk from Scott Hall to the quad for my first quad day, and I remember being filled with... Uh, just overwhelmed by the number of people and number of options, but also excited, excited for the potential, the potential of a new school year. What will I be about? What am I going to invest in? That's what you get to do today. That's where you stand here at the beginning of the school year. What are you going to be about? What are you going to invest in? You know, me, I was, had my hemp necklace on and my Jansport backpack and my rollerblades in there and cargo shorts, which I'm still wearing now, 20 years later. Uh, and I was sweating beyond belief because it's always humid and hot on quad day. So hopefully the temperature stays down for you today. I don't know about you, the, the 90s and 2000s, they were just a weird time. I'm glad I don't look like that anymore. But, um, you know, uh, it's surprising I don't have bleach blonde highlights because that was a very common thing uh, back in that era and maybe why I have no color left in my hair these days. But anyways, we, we can move on. Uh, I went to quad day as a freshman with two intentions. To find the ski and snowboard club, because I was all about that at that point. Living in the Midwest, that's a strange thing to be about. But I wanted to find the ski and snowboard club. And I wanted to find a church home. I wanted to find a community to be along with. To, to follow Jesus together with. 
See, for me, I got, I got saved in high school. When I was a freshman in high school, some friends invited me to church. And I started to attend, and, and Jesus transformed my life. I had a great support structure back in my, in my hometown in high school. I had friends I was being discipled with, a close-knit group of guys that I spent a lot of time with and engaged in Bible study together with. I had a youth pastor that was discipling me, and I had a church that preached gospel-centered messages every Sunday. And then, then I drove three hours down from the suburbs to Champaign alone without any of those support structures as a fairly new believer. So I knew finding a church home was critical for me to continue to follow Jesus in my college years. So that was one of my top priorities right after I found the Steve Snowboard Club. Let's see, where is he at? Help him, Jesus, right? <laughs> see, finding a church home, finding peers to follow Jesus and study the Bible together, it had to be a priority. And Quad Day helped me make that a reality. There's going to be a lot of church groups out there. There's going to be a lot of faith groups. I hope you will find one to plug in. I hope we can be that group. See, I found this church to be a great church home. I've been here for over 20 years. It's been a place where I was first a student and nurtured in my beliefs, in my faith. I volunteered as I worked as an engineer in town, came on staff, and now pastor this church. It's been a place where I could grow and follow Jesus with those around me. I hope it can be that for you, too. My life was transformed by Jesus in high school. And ever since, I have been on a journey to make him known. That's why I'm still here 20 plus years later. It's why there's no place I would rather be than in this lecture hall on a Sunday morning talking to you about Jesus. And that's how I start every school year. For the past 20 years, we've been in this room or another talking about Jesus. It's the foundation. It's the center of our faith. It's where I want us to begin over and over again. And every year... I find myself drawn back to, the, to that to start our school year. The foundation and center of our faith is Jesus. And that's where we start. This morning, that's where I want us to lean in. Now, Alan's already shared some, and you've heard it over and over again. You're going to hear it a lot. We're about Jesus here. That's who we are. We're a church. We preach Jesus. We begin, as we, as we look at the teachings of Jesus, we, we see the greatest commandment where Jesus tells us that, that loving God is the greatest thing we can do with our lives. And the next greatest thing is to love those around us, to love our neighbors. In Matthew's gospel, we read, uh, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. These are the words of Jesus. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus sums up everything right here. He tells us that loving God and loving your neighbor is the heart of God's instructions for humanity. It's what God desires for us. It's what he longs for. All his instruction, all his, his longing for us is wrapped up in those two things. So all we do in a line of life falls in one of those or both of those camps, right? Loving God or loving our neighbor. Now, Alan ran through what our typical rhythms are. Sunday morning, we're here loving God, worshiping him, giving out free coffee on a Friday, loving campus, loving our neighbors. Small group Bible study, it's a chance to love God and, and support and encourage your peers. It's loving your neighbor as well. And in fact, Jesus goes a little further as he instructs us on what loving our neighbor could actually look like. 
He tells us in, in what's commonly referred to as the Great Commission, Jesus tells his followers his final instructions. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So sharing about Jesus is loving our neighbor. Spiritual conversations like Alan shared about, engaging in the spiritual with our neighbors is loving them. Sir, sure, we, we get a chance to love our neighbors through, through serving in material ways, and we do that. We, we love to do that. We also want to care about them spiritually. We want to love them spiritually by sharing Jesus, inviting them to encounter Jesus. Because he's the one that transformed our lives. He's the one that has changed us. He's the one that saved us. And we long for others to have that same encounter, to be saved by Jesus as well. Jesus. Jesus is the center of our faith. He's the foundation of what we believe. We believe that so much in a line of life that we think faith, the Christian faith, is summed up in three key areas, three key ways. Life with Jesus, life like Jesus, and life for Jesus. And you are going to hear that over and over and over again because that is the center of what our faith is. So we invite you this school year. We invite you to live your life with Jesus, encountering him in your daily lives, in your study of scripture, in your community throughout the week, your small group Bible studies, here in Sunday worship. Live with Jesus. We invite you to live your life like Jesus as you serve those around you, as you reach out to them, as you give them free coffee and lemonade on the quad on Fridays. We invite you to live your life for Jesus as you share his message with those around you. We invite you to invite people to encounter Jesus in their daily lives. Well, to, to kind of cement all this in, right, we're, we're going to start our school year by studying the Gospel of Mark. And, and I find myself coming back to the teachings of Jesus often in my life, but, but us together as a church community here at the beginning of the school year, because I, there's, there's no better place to start, right? Let's start with Jesus. He's the center, right? Each week, as we begin our study of the Gospel of Mark, we're going to get a chance to study your passage in your small group, and then we're going to come together here on Sunday and hear a message. And that message will be from me or one of our elders or staff or... You get to be challenged each week to be more, to live your life more with Jesus, like Jesus, or for Jesus, as we look at your thoughts, actions, and beliefs, and how Jesus addresses those. And as we lean into this, as we lean into to living these ways, the Gospel of Mark is an excellent place. And, and I don't just say that because I thought of going here, right? It is a great place to start. Because Mark, as he wrote this Gospel, he focuses in on snapshot after snapshot of Jesus' ministry. It's a way to encounter Jesus, to walk through what Jesus said and did as he was here on earth. All the while, as you read the Gospel of Mark, it begs the question, who is Jesus? Which is why we're starting with it. Who is Jesus is the question that Mark wants his readers, us, to wrestle with as we read this book. He opens the, the book with the statement, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus, the Son of God, and then he doesn't really tell you anything else about what he believes. He just tells you what happened and what others 
saw and did what Jesus taught, shows you Jesus' ministry, records the responses of, of those by the disciples and, and those around. So as you read the Gospel of Mark, as we read through this and study through this, you're left to answer that question for yourself. Who is Jesus? Mark, through the stories and teachings that he's recorded, the actions of Jesus he shares, he invites us to conclude that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one of God, the Son of God, the promised one for Israel and for the world that they have been waiting for, the Savior of the world. That's what we'll conclude as we read through the Gospel of Mark. That's what I hope you conclude as you engage in this scripture. Now, let me give you a little bit of background because if you've been around, you know I love to do this and sort of frame in a book in its, in its entirety for us before we really study it in, in depth. This, this way you know where we're headed. You know what's, what's coming in these, in these future weeks. The Gospel of Mark, it's, it's one of four Gospels, right, in the New Testament. And a Gospel, if you're not familiar with that term, it's, it's part biography, part history, and part evangelistic writing. Right? There's, a, there's a purpose behind it. And the purpose is to reveal the person and the works of Jesus. We have four of them in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now Mark is the shortest of the four. And I would describe it as fast-paced. And if you've never read it, buckle in. <laughs> Mark's favorite word is immediately. And as you read, he's going to say, immediately we went there. And then immediately they did this. And then immediately they went over there. And you're like, oh, I can't even catch my breath as you read, right? It's so fast-paced. There's a lot going on. And the author, Mark... He's, uh, he's often, or he's referred to elsewhere in the New Testament as John Mark, which those of you that were here as we studied through Acts may recognize that name. Maybe you know that personally. It's a combination of his Greek and Hebrew names, and uh, we saw that in the book of Acts. He was one of the missionary companions to the Apostle Paul. Uh, he was originally from Jerusalem. His mother Mary had a large home in Jerusalem where the early church met, and that's likely where he got close with the Apostle Peter. And much of the stories that he recounts are first-hand accounts from Peter of what it was like to follow Jesus. Peter was one of the 12 close inner circle disciples of Jesus, one of those closest that knew Jesus. And his stories, Mark records. Where are we at? Okay, so, some big themes to, to key in on this, on this book. There are three key points in the book of Mark it's, uh, that Mark shares with us that note Jesus as the Son of God. A theme of Jesus as the Son of God will be key as you're studying through this book. In the opening of the book, you have Jesus being baptized, and the heavens open up, and the, the Spirit of God descends on Jesus like a dove. And the, and the Father says, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Jesus is noted as the Son of God in the very opening chapter of the book. And then, around the middle of the book, Jesus and a few of his disciples, Peter being one of them, are up on top of a mountain. And the Father again speaks into creation and says, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. And then, the very end of the book, the crucifixion of Jesus, from the most shocking source of all, from the most surprising voice of all, a Roman centurion who oversaw the death and execution of Jesus, declares, truly, this man was the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of God. It's a theme to trace throughout the book of Mark. And Mark, he doesn't, he doesn't tell you what to conclude. 
He just tells you what happened in these three key events. He tells you what others concluded and believed. Jesus was the Son of God. And the book also has a theme of Jesus as Messiah, or the promise, the Christ, the promised one, the anointed one from God, the one that was promised to come in and restore God's kingdom. Only that term, it's confusing. It's very confusing to the disciples. I'd say it's probably confusing to us in our day today, too. Who Jesus is as Savior, we can conflate with political agendas, prosperity, our own desires or intentions. And they had the same trappings. See, Mark calls Jesus the Messiah in the opening of the book, and then, and then there's a turning point in the middle of the book where Peter proclaims Jesus as Messiah. It's sort of the, the literary climax, the crescendo of the book. But Peter, even though he sees Jesus as Messiah, his expectations of what Messiah is and does are radically different than what Jesus intends and what Messiah is to do. Peter expects Jesus to be the next king, to take rule back from Rome and make Israel great again. Jesus has other plans. Now, Peter, he believes this so much that as Jesus starts to explain what Messiah must do, that he must be arrested, executed, and raised from the dead. Peter pulls him aside and he rebukes him. He says, that's not it, Jesus, right? This is Peter, who had just heard the voice of the Lord calling out and saying, this is the Son of God. Listen to him. And he's saying, Jesus, you got it all wrong, right? At the climax of the book, Peter is brash. He doesn't get it. And in fact, the second half of the book is all wrestling with this question of what does Messiah do? As Jesus engages mostly with his disciples, his inner circle, explaining what must happen, what he must endure, his death and resurrection. Jesus aligns himself with the suffering servant from Isaiah. He aligns himself as, as the king of Israel, but that path must go through the cross and must go through the empty tomb. And so it does. You know, if you've been around, you know I like to do this for you. I give you, those of you that are visual here, is a, a book chart, something to follow along a little bit of, of you know, the framing of this book, a, a you know, high-level outline. You have the first half of the book. It's, it's mostly Jesus' public ministry wrestling with that question of who is Jesus. This is the calling of the disciples. This is a lot of the public teaching. And it crescendos, as I mentioned, with Peter concluding Jesus is the Messiah. And then, and then there's that wrestling of what does that mean? There's sort of a rise in the narrative as the disciples come to answer the question of who is Jesus. And it's realized he is the promised one. He will be the Savior. Then the book reaches that climax and, and Jesus as Messiah is revealed. And then, and then there's a sort of decline as the confusion sets in and the disciples wait and say, what, what, that, wait, what, that's, that's what Messiah means? Ultimately, they're left. The conclusion of the book, the disciples are in disbelief and fear at the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus. They couldn't believe it. This is what it was. So why start here? Why start here for this school year, right? Because the question, who is Jesus? is the most important question you will answer in your life. More important than your major, more important than your career, more important than who you'll marry, where you'll live. Who is Jesus is the most important question you can answer. And we want to give you that answer. 
We want to give you the cheat sheet. We want to give you it right up front so you know how to, how to pass that test. We want you to see Jesus as the Messiah. We want you to see Jesus as the one who saves. Who's Je- who is Jesus? Mark, as we study his, his gospel, he invite us, and we invite you to conclude that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the suffering servant prophesied about the Savior of the world, your Redeemer, the one that saves you and reconciles you to God, that makes you friends with God again. See, I made that conclusion. I came to that conclusion as a freshman in high school, and it changed my life forever. It changed me for the better. Believe me, if you had met me, you wouldn't recognize me. It brought healing to a broken, the brokenness in my heart, my life, for my parents' divorce. It brought purpose as I found reason to live with, like, and for Jesus in my days. It brought joy to replace the sadness and loneliness that was overbearing in my soul. It gave me identity as I learned I was Christ. I was in Christ, that I was his. He called me his own. God fearfully and wonderfully intentionally made me a new me, and he loved me. Jesus saved me. He saved me from myself and from destruction, from a life of sin controlled by the flesh and broken, headed for destruction. If you haven't decided what you believe about Jesus, that's okay. Stick with us. Read the Gospel of Mark. See Jesus. Draw your own conclusions. Stick with us, study the Bible, come back on Sundays, hear what the message is. Now, if you have decided what you believe about Jesus, if you've seen him as your your savior, as, as God in human flesh, as the savior of the world, as the hope for the world, the one that reconciles you to God, join with us in making that truth known to those around us. Join with us this school year to live like, with, and for Jesus to those around campus. Let me invite you to study the book of Mark as we start this school year off with us. Each week we'll be back here with a new passage to engage with. I'm excited to dive in next week into our first passage. Will you pray with me?